Good morning, Cornerstone. Good to see you. And I'm assuming there's a couple people online watching also. Still weird to wave to a camera. So I'm glad we're together today. Um, Barry, if you could go ahead and put the Prezi up. So uh, we are halfway through the book of Mark. If you've been following along on the podcast online, we're going through the whole gospel of Mark. And every week we're taking a chapter that we're reading, but then we're taking one small section of that chapter and then looking at it a little bit closer. Uh, thanks to Mike Borden and Jim Eikenberry for helping with some of the sermons, uh, the past eight chapters. And then coming up, uh, there's going to be Barry and Laura and Jim Gosher and Jim Eikenberry and Sue and Ruth that are also going to be bringing the word out of the next eight chapters of, of Mark. And so um, it's good stuff. Today we are in Mark chapter eight. If you want to turn there, verses 14 to 21, I will have the text on the screen. I'll be reading from the NIV. But um, if you want to look at it in the text that you have there. So during quarantine, uh, there were a couple micro trends that cropped up around food. Um, these were things where people were staying at home a lot, a lot more. And so food eating is essential. And so why not try some new things? Uh, one of the things is this coffee thing that's from South Korea. Has anybody, has anybody made that during quarantine? I haven't done any of these things. I'm just saying that I've, I've heard about these things. And this is like an upgraded iced coffee where you take uh, coffee and sugar and whip it together. And then you throw it on top of some milk and ice. Another one was victory sills. Anybody do this? Yeah, we got one. Okay. This is where you take vegetable scraps and you replant them. So you're reusing vegetable scraps and you can see a little bit of growth every day. So it gives you a little bit of, um, a little bit of hope that there is growth happening out there in the world. And then probably the biggest one, of course, was bread. I know some of you have done bread before. Who did bread? One, okay, two, three, okay, yeah. There was like four or five people that said something about bread. Um, so that was probably the most uh, popular trend during, during COVID was this bread baking thing. And of course, one of the key ingredients in bread is what? Yeast is leaven, right. Um, and there's many different types of yeast, right? There's active dry, there's fresh cake, there's liquid, there's instant yeast. And yeast is one of the components that when you bake bread, it makes it smell really good. It invites you into eating it. Um, it's interesting though, something can smell really good. It could yet technically be poisonous to you, right? You could have something that's alluring to you in the smell and yet eating it isn't necessarily the best thing. Uh, the yeast chemically alters the sugar and releases the uh, aromatic scents. And uh, yeast is what makes the bread rise. So a little bit of yeast can have great effect on the whole. And our section in Mark today is, uh, has to do with bread. And one of the things that I want us to consider for Mark chapter 8 today is this, is what type of yeast are you baking with? What type of yeast are you baking with? And also, as we consider, you know, different kinds of trends, trends are easy to slip into. And these food trends are fun and they're harmless. But there are other trends in society about how we view the world and treat one another that are more serious. These types of trends can delude our belief in God and corrupt our understanding. These trends can knock followers of Jesus off track or these trends can remind followers of Jesus what they are really supposed to be about. So let's read uh, Mark chapter eight, starting in verse 14. 
I'll be reading from the NIV. The disciples had had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? The gospel of our Lord Thanks be to God. So Jesus is frustrated. And in this instance, he's not frustrated with the politicians or the religious leaders. He's frustrated with his own crew, with the disciples, with the ones closest to him, the ones that have been walking around and doing life with him the past couple of years. And you can tell he's frustrated in part because he only says one statement and then he has eight questions for them. Eight questions. And if you're a parent or if you have done any kind of childcare for a long enough time, you can kind of connect with us where you're like, Aubrey, are we supposed to be hitting Alice just because she won't share something with you? Or Alice, are you really done with dinner if you haven't cleaned up your dishes? These kinds of questions come up when you've said and shown over and over again how things work and you don't know how else to be clear. And so you ask questions because you want some kind of feedback. You want to know that the person is at least hearing the words that you're speaking. And you're kind of asking for a confession from the other person one way or another. Do you understand? Here the disciples are talking about bread or lack thereof. And it is a conversation that doesn't need to be had. If they would just understand all that they have already seen and already taken part in. Twice now, Jesus has done miracles that supplied food, not only for them, but for many others. In Mark 6, it was for 5,000. And in Mark 8, just a couple sections before, it was 4,000. So Jesus walks them through what just happened and what happened days prior. Remember, remember. The thing is, is that the disciples know the facts, but they don't grasp the truth. They remember how many baskets full of bread were left over. They answer correctly. There's 12 left over. There's seven left over. They got the facts, but they don't know what counts when it comes to following Jesus. Do you not see who I am? Do you not think I will provide? Do you still not understand? Do you not know what really matters? We likewise, as Jesus' disciples at Cornerstone, can have a hard time recognizing what's right in front of us in Jesus. Jesus asks eight questions in the story, and he gives us one statement. Be careful, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. It was the Pharisees and the Herodians that teamed up together, even though they were two politically charged groups on opposite ends of the spectrum. 
and they banded together in Mark 3 in order to plot against Jesus and how they might kill him. Even though they were enemies most of the time, they found a common enemy. Yeast here is used metaphorically to point to the fact that a little yeast can have dramatic effects on the whole recipe. Watch out for their yeast, which is the corruption through unbelief. Corruption through trying to hold on to control. Be careful about the trends they are advocating for in so-called restoring the kingdom. And Cornerstone, how might we in uncertain times be using just a little yeast from the fallen world to comfort ourselves? Looking to find an illusion of control and certainty rather than depending on the mercies of God and the living hope of Christ. How might we be advocating for outward personal freedoms, which unmask us, revealing a heart that is uncharitable, ungenerous, and uncaring of others? So watch out, Jesus says, be careful of the mindset of the Pharisees. Don't do things just to look good, which is hypocrisy. And don't continually put Jesus on trial, testing him over and over again, because the things that he does do or does say, you need more than that. A moment before Jesus warned his disciples, the Pharisees were demanding a sign from heaven. Jesus, give us a sign from heaven. Jesus' reply to them, no, I'm not going to give it to you. And he, the text says he sighed deeply and then he moved on. And in many situations, God not giving us what we want, God simply moving on is God doing the best thing for us. Watch out. Be careful also of the mindset of Herod. One thing we know of Herod is that he acknowledged God's prophet, John the Baptist, as a righteous and holy man and even protected John. Mark 6 says that Herod liked to listen to John. The things that John said on one hand pleased Herod. But here's the thing. Enjoying listening to the words of God are different than obeying them. This yeast is kind of like viewing God as a piece of entertainment that we keep around turning on and off when we want to. Something that excites us, but that we aren't willing to be changed by. We say we want practical applications from the teachings of the Bible, but when the word of God messes with our own idols and strongholds, we are less than willing to submit. This is how it was for Herod, who was messing around with someone else's wife and ended up giving the order for John's death because it restricted people's pleasure and comfort. Be careful, cornerstone, of not having in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Watch out for the yeast of the individualists and the conformists. Watch out for the yeast of the right wing and the left wing. Watch out for the yeast of capitalism and socialism. Watch out for the yeast of the GOP and the Dems. Watch out for the yeast of Fox News and CNN. Watch out for the yeast of the conservatives and the progressives. Watch out for the yeast of the fear mongers and the ignorant. Watch out for the yeast of the materialists and the spiritualists. Watch out for the yeast of trends and traditions. Watch out for the yeasts of your own wounds and even the strengths of your own giftings. Be careful of taking even a little bit of your identity in anything besides God himself. Be careful and rely fully on the work and the person of Jesus 
the Christ. And watch out for the yeast of unbelief because we aren't going to give our allegiance to God if we don't trust him. Our faith will just be trendy until it actually requires something of us. Just as the opposites of the Pharisees and the Herodians teamed up to take out Jesus, the disciples of Christ should expect to experience trials that come from all camps of the broken society. Still, we look for God's goodness here and now and to come. Because the good news is this, that there are different types of yeast to bake with. There is a yeast that is not filled with the corruption of the Pharisees or the corruption of the Herodians. In Matthew, in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So Cornerstone, what yeast are you baking with? The yeast of the worldly empires of the Pharisees, of the Herodians, or the yeast of the kingdom of God, of Jesus's kingdom, which is not of this world. And moreover, are we being permeated by the evil yeast, taking in just a little bit to feel secure in ourselves? Or are we sprinkling in the kingdom of God in all the places we interact in the world? So one thing we haven't done uh, together for a while in physical presence with one another is take communion. And uh, today communion will be offered and extended to those that would like to take it. Um, The reading today is from Galatians 5, 6 through 10. One of the points of tension in the early church, uh, especially at the beginning of Christianity, was over certain religious rituals. And one such meaningful ritual for group identity were circumcision. New Christians from Jewish backgrounds and Gentile backgrounds gave the others a hard time about this. On the one extreme, there was those saying that even if you believe in Jesus, you're not really part of God's family if you don't do this ritual. On the other extreme, an arrogance that boasted and mocked, thinking that they were better because they did not participate in that tradition and in that ritual. On both sides, it still came down to being legitimate because of what they were or weren't doing. It still had the focus of their own self-rightness. Just as Jesus got frustrated with his disciples, the apostle Paul got frustrated with the church. And he says this to guide them into realignment. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. So as we partake of the bread in the cup today, proclaiming the death of Christ until he returns, remembering the forgiveness of our own sins, we also repent and confess that the only thing that counts is trusting belief 
is allegiance to Jesus working through love, not fear expressing itself through love or faith expressing itself through pride, but faith expressing itself through love. If you listened to the podcast last week, you heard me gag on the recording. Um, I was talking about traditions and how certain things are changing during COVID. And one of the traditions I was a hard, had a hard time thinking about was uh, switching during COVID was the idea of the way we do communion at Cornerstone. And I was gagging because of the thought of doing communion in the sterile, individually wrapped, sealed and self-contained wafer and cup style, which you see before here. The picture of the elements in this way is against some of my values of embodied and symbolic theology of who I think the church is and is not. A couple of you commented to me in agreement that you hate that, the, the thought of that, and you laughed with me. A few of you called me about some other creative ways that we could serve communion uh, that wouldn't make their pastor gag. One of you kindly commented on how to look for the good in the different styles of serving communion. But in the end, after my little philosophical hissy fit, it was God's comment that really counted. Saying, Justin, you know that now you need to serve communion in that way, right? Do you not see who I am? Do you not think I will provide? Do you still not understand? Do you not know what really matters? So for the next two weeks, we will be taking of the elements in this way. And I encourage all of us to receive all the grace that the Lord has for us. Faith expressing itself through love is the leaven, is the type of yeast the kingdom of God uses. May you use it in every recipe in your life, at home and at work, with your enemies and with your friends, in worship, in lament, and in dance. If for wisdom's sake, you don't want to remove your mask for a minute to partake, know that God loves you just the same and also calls you into account just the same. The team will be playing one song and during that time, uh, there, are, there are these things set up that you can go and grab one, but don't partake. Go and grab it and come back to your seat and figure out how to open it and get it ready. Um, there's a little wafer in there and the juice. There's also, if you have a high gluten intolerance, there are 10 bags of gluten-free bread back there on the middle table that you can grab there. So what we're gonna do, the team is gonna lead us in a song. We're gonna go and prepare both our hearts and the elements and then come back to our seats. And then we're gonna pause and uh, take communion together. And then we'll close with one ending song of praise. So the table is open. Uh, if you have kids here, parents, you're in charge of how your kids do or do not partake of the table. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Amen. Here's to our death cornerstone, to getting over ourselves. And may this be our prayer. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus, we remember you and we wanna be people that are not forgetful of who you are. Thank you for your love, even in the middle of frustration that keeps coming after us.
God, when we uh, hear your word and when we just heard your word, may we not be thinking about, oh, those other people that need to change or repent or get on board. May your word cut our hearts first and foremost. And may we extend grace uh, to one another. We declare um, your goodness in this cup and in this wafer. And we say that the only thing that really counts is faith expressing itself through love. And you are the ultimate picture of that. We love you. Amen. Go ahead, Cornerstone. Let's partake. God, we long for your kingdom to come. We long for your kingdom to be established. We long for your justice and your mercy and your love to reign over all things. We long for every knee to bow. So as we leave this place where we have come together, we have lifted up the name of Jesus. We have reminded each other of who you are and who we are to you. We leave this place, we walk out those doors, and we take this with us. We take the name of Jesus with us. God, we want to be part of working towards your kingdom coming. We want to spread the good yeast that grows the fruits of the Spirit, that grows the things that are of you. God, give us courage in this world to not trust in anything else but you. Jesus, you are our Savior, our friend. Father God, you are Lord over all. Holy Spirit, you are blessed. Thank you for your work in us. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray all these things and we say together, amen.